Well, we're in a series called uh, Defining Moments, and we're looking at those times in our relationships where if we can handle it right, uh, we can make the situation a lot better. Uh, we can draw closer. It can actually create bonding. Um, but if we don't handle it well, uh, it actually works against us and kind of flips things around and we take a tough situation or a bad situation and we make it worse. So I want to I look today, I want to talk about anger management. Now, usually when we talk about anger management, we're, we're talking about how do we handle our own anger and, and that is a great topic for another time. But when I was working on this series, what I thought about is I was thinking about those times when we make things better or worse. It's some, one of those times is when someone is angry at us. Now, just a quick survey. How many of you have had someone angry at you this past week? Yeah, this the last couple of days, already this morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it just seems to be that's kind of the way it happens. And we got some great words from Scripture on how do you deal with people who are angry. Um, Proverbs 15.1 is the text I want to just jump off of today. Because the Proverbs writer says it really well. He says, a gentle, answer deflects, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words will make tempers flare. Now, when I, was, when I was working on the message this week, there was one of the things that occurred to me is that when the Proverbs writer said this, he was really talking about a kind of general anger. He was just kind of talking about when you've done something that have upset someone, or you've said something that have upset someone, or um, you know, they, somebody's watching something that you do and get upset, something like that. But I realized that in, in our culture, there are sometimes anger that you really can't do much about. In fact, you really shouldn't try too hard because you can get yourself way in over your head. And I thought, you know, before I get to the meat of the message, let me just kind of set you free because some of you have a few of these kinds of people in your life and you just need to know this problem is not yours. Okay. Let me, let me start with that. Three kinds of angry people that you can't help. One of those kinds of, uh, are people that I, I describe as being, they are dangerously angry. They are dangerously angry. There are people um, who have anger that actually comes out like a volcano, and they are people who um, become extremely uh, either uh, verbally or physically abusive. They are people who will not just say hurtful things, they will say awful things. They are people that will grab or shove. They are, are people who will punch or hit. And those are people that you just need to know. Their anger is at a level that you really need to be careful. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking back. There's only one time in my life that I can remember uh, throwing someone out of my home or out of my office. And uh, it was a, a, a guy who was in our home uh, several years ago in a different state. And um, when he got uh, upset about a really uh, silly issue, but in our living room, he began to just rage. And when he turned toward Wanda and said something awful, I said, we're done. 
And I was just half a beat away from having to call the police on that and let, made the man leave our home. And, and again, one of the things you realize is that dangerously angry, angry people, if you lean into them, either you or them or both are going to get hurt. And that's probably something you want to stay away from. So you want to, and people who are dangerously angry, you just need to create distance or you need to have, if they're a family member, maybe do an intervention and have someone intervene. A, a second kind of uh, angry people that you really have a hard time dealing with are, are people that I just described as being, they are always angry. They are always angry. Some of you, I guarantee you, you know people who just beneath the surface, you can tell that there's just always an edge there. And uh, there's always a little bit of anger, and it doesn't take too much for them to kind of retort with a sharp word or to, to say something kind of harsh. Now, they aren't people who are dangerous. They don't become violent, but there's always just an edge about them. And what I want you to know are those people who are always angry, there's something going on inside of them. Most of them, I promise you, have people who they themselves have been abused or they themselves have been through either some trauma or some pain in their life that has created this scar tissue and their anger has actually become a defense mechanism for them that kind of keep people at a distance. It's very subconscious, but their anger is about keeping people away. And they use usually do a pretty good job of it. And if you have somebody like that and you just feel it, just, I, I just would say to you, you know, what really can help with them maybe is just under being understanding, realizing there's something else going on, being patient. And maybe if you're close enough to them at the right time, maybe nudging them toward counseling where they can deal with uh, that kind of uh, anger. The third and you may have not ever encountered this, but I did, and so I thought I've got to at least mention it. And, and those, the third kind, are people who are subversively angry. Yeah, subversively angry. And what I mean by subversively angry is the, these are people who, they're angry at you, but they're not really angry at you. Um, they are people who want something that you have, and their anger is a way of trying to either move you on or get you out in trouble or get you out of the way. Um, several years ago, again, in another church, I had a, a situation where I, I had a, a couple particularly that were uh, upset, you know, were just always picking on a, a, staff member, a staff member that I had, and they were making mountains out of old molehills, and they were doing it continuously. And I couldn't real, I didn't really realize, what's, why are they always so angry at this person, and then later I discovered they wanted his position, and suddenly it made sense. They really weren't angry at him. They were always complaining to me about them because they wanted me to get rid of them so they could apply for the job. Now, that's not really true anger. That's false anger. That's a subversive anger, and when you've got people like that, and you may encounter that at work or other places, then people like that, if you know what they're really after, you just listen, you respond, and you move on because they're not being honest. Now, let's talk today about how do you deal uh, with people who are just normally angry, the people in your household, people at work, people that you encounter, and uh, you've done something, you've said something that have, have hurt them or upset them, and uh, you, need, you need to respond. And when I thought about this, I thought, you know, you can, you can respond from one of a, a couple of ways. And the way I imagined it in my mind is picture that you have two buckets that you can, that you can respond from. And um, one's going to make it better, and the other is going to make it worse. One is going to kind of douse the fire. The other is kind of going to fuel the fire. So let's start with the one that's going to fuel the fire, and then I'll camp on the one that'll help. Are you ready? Let me talk, let me talk first to you about the bucket of lose. The bucket of lose. 
In the bucket of lose, these are ways that you can respond that are going to cause you to lose with someone who is angry. This is going to make it worse, not better. Uh, You can respond by ignoring them. And uh, that is maybe pretending like they're, they're, that you're, you don't hear what they say. Or, or you know, sometimes when we're codependent or sometimes when we're just afraid of people's anger, rather than really leaning into them and finding out what's going on, we try to dodge a weave or leave the room or go away. And if you just try to ignore people's anger, blow it off or hide from it, you're going to make it worse, not better. When you become defensive, um, when you become defensive, and I'm going to come circle back to this a little later in the message, but when you become defensive about people's anger and try to defend it or, or you shoot back at them about what they do, you know what? You're not helping the anger. You're making the anger worse, not better. When your pride gets into the way. Okay, come on. It's just us today. How many of you would be honest enough to say you have pride that sometimes gets in your way? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and when we get pride, when somebody says something and, you know, it kind of makes us go, whoa, me? Um, you know, when our pride gets in the way, pride goes before the fall. And pride also is one of the fuels that'll make anger worse and not better. When you minimize their anger, when, you, when somebody's angry and they come to you and you go, you're making a mountain out of a molehill. This is no big deal. I don't understand why you're so upset. Trust me. Some of you have said these things and you've found out. That don't help. That's going to make it worse, not better. Just because it's not a big deal to you doesn't mean it's not a big deal to them. When you make excuses for, for what you did, if you said something that was hurtful, if you did something that was offensive, and you make an excuse for it, oh, well, I'm sorry, I was in a bad mood, or I was tired, or, or whatever, when you, when you make excuses, again, it doesn't help their anger. It only fuels it, and it's going to make it worse, or worse, it's going to make it go in, uh, internal. When you respond to anger with anger. Now, sometimes, and, and this is often what happens, is when somebody gets angry with us, it, it trips a switch for us. Uh, sometimes it trips a shame, uh, same, a shame switch, or, or sometimes it, it, again, pushes back on our pride. And so when they're angry, oftentimes the only way that we can think quickly to respond is by becoming angry ourselves. And we start yelling at them about what they do and how they hurt us and all that. And, and trust me in this. When you respond to anger with anger, you just get a bigger flame. You just get a bigger flame. You do that, you're going to lose. What I want to talk to you about today is a different way to respond. I want to talk to you about dousing that anger with the bucket of love. Now, I've used the word love as an acrostic today just to maybe make it just a little easier for you to remember. But I want to give you just four ways that you can respond that will help bring the anger level down in a lot of situations and uh, help douse the fire rather than feed it. You ready? Here we go. Let me give you all let me four. The L in love stands for to listen caringly. To listen caringly. When you, somebody becomes angry with you, what you want to do, is, it's, it's, it's almost counterintuitive because when somebody gets angry, you want to pull back. And what you really need to do is you need to 
lean into them. Because if you can lean in and really listen, you can get to what's underneath. And this is what you need to understand. Anger is almost always a secondary emotion. And, and so when, when people are angry, almost always there is something else that's going on underneath. You know, here, here's what we know. You know when, when people are angry, there is either hurt or there is disappointment uh, or, or there is confusion or there is fear uh, or there is frustration. Those are underlying emotions that are, that are causing it to come. And they don't re- often, we don't really know how to express those. And so it comes out in anger. And if you really want to get uh, to the heart of the matter and you really want to bring down that flame, find the reason that's beneath the wrath. Because if you can touch the reason that's beneath the wrath, you can help bring the flame down. Does that make sense to you? Uh, so interesting, this, this past week we were... Uh, we were, Wanda and I were FaceTiming with our son Ben out in Baltimore, and one of the things Ben's been doing during this quarantine when he's been working from home is he's been teaching our grandson, Maddox, who's nine, how to ride a bike. They live on the end of a cul-de-sac, and he's been taking him out, and little by little, he's been teaching him how to ride. And, and Maddox was telling us what it was like, and Ben was telling us what it was like, and Ben was talking about the, you know, the kind of some of the frustrations and all the things that were going on with it. And my, and my wife and I started laughing because we remembered back in Phoenix when Ben got really into biking, and we asked the question, so Ben, are you making Maddox wear a helmet? And what's funny was Ben said, well, of course I am. And Wanda and I just started laughing because some of the angriest we ever saw our son is when we made him wear a bicycle helmet when he was a kid riding a bike. And Ben would come in and we, we would get, he would get so upset because we would make him, we would walk out and make him put his helmet on before he got on his bike and, and, and he would always come back and there were times he took his helmet and he just threw it. We got into all of this stuff. Now, one of the things that I, I didn't really do well during that time is I really didn't do this. I didn't look for the reason beneath uh, the, the wrath of what was going on for Ben because Ben was being teased mercilessly by his other friends who weren't made. To, to, to wear a helmet. And, um, and, and you know, and it was one of those things that if I could have maybe heard that, um, that embarrassment and that shame, if I could have heard that a little more, again, I would have still made him wear a helmet. But I probably would have responded to him with a lot more empathy rather than taking his anger and me just getting more angry to make him do what I needed him to do. Does that make sense to you? You see, when you can speak to the wrath or the reason that's beneath the wrath, you can help ramp that down. Now, you know, this whole idea of listening um, is not, again, it's not really natural for us, but it really is one of the biggest ways we can help in these kinds of situations. Now, Stephen Covey in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, makes one point that I think is, is, is just a huge uh, habit, and that is he says, seek to understand before you, are, before you seek to be understood. Seek to understand, then seek to be understood. Now, come on, that's just us. Let's be honest for a second. You see, what happens for us so often when somebody gets angry in front of us is that we, um, instead of really listening to what they're saying, 
We're thinking about what we're going to say and how we're going to respond. And, what, and, and, and while we're thinking about us, we're missing the opportunity to really hear from them. There's a couple of scriptures from Proverbs that I just think are marvelous. Proverbs 18, 13, Proverbs writer says, to answer before listening, what we're just talking about, that's folly and shame. To answer before listening, that's folly and shame. When we let our pride get in the way and feel like we need to do it, listen to this next one from Proverbs 12, 15. He says, you know what? Fools think their own way is right, but the wise, they listen to others. They listen to others. Now, as hard as this is to believe, some of what this person may be saying to you may be right, and you may need, really need to hear it. And I love what the Proverbs writer says about that in Proverbs 25, 12. He says, to the one who listens, valid criticism is like a gold earring or other piece of gold jewelry. In other words, look at me, understand this. Sometimes what angry people are giving you, and we'll talk about this a little bit more in a second, but they're giving you a gift. They're giving you an opportunity to be better. Okay? Give them some love. What's the L stand for? It stands for listen caringly. The O in our bucket of love stands for this. Own any part that's yours or yours by association. Own any part that's yours or yours by association. Now, here, here's what I mean by that. Um, isn't it a fact, you know, sometimes when, when people, you know, come to us and they're angry, uh, sometimes we, we're, we're either startled by their angry and, and, and we don't, and, and they may be very valid. Let's say in your home, and I know this probably never happens in your home, but let's say in your home uh, you have some, you know, somebody has some really good leftovers they put in the fridge that they're looking forward to eating later, and uh, one night you're in there and you see the leftovers and you've seen that they've been in there for a few days and you just think to yourself, well, they've been here for a while, I'm going to go ahead and eat them. And then they come to you and they're really upset and they go, did you eat my leftovers, you know? Now, they're angry, and they've got a chance to respond. And the fact of the matter is, you did eat their leftovers. Um, so how are you going to respond to that? And here's what I want to say to you. You need to own that, and you need to own it right away. Don't miss this. The primary reason that people get angry is they think that's what it takes to get your attention. They think that's what it takes to get your attention. And so if you, if you own it, if you own it, you can, take, you can take a lot of the energy out of that anger because you're agreeing with them in what they're saying. Does that, make, does that make sense to you? You see, some of the worst things that we can do when somebody gets angry is, first of all, deny it when there's really truth. Because if we deny it and we really do have a part in it, then, then they're, that's going to escalate their anger because they know we're lying. Or they're going to come back and find out we're lying, and that's just going to take that anger to a whole new level. Because now, not only if we ate their leftovers, are we a thief or a liar too? Or another thing that we do is is we we don't just deny it; we'll 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 deflect it. You know, uh, we'll deflect it, and we'll say, "Well, nobody told me they were yours," and we'll we'll try to deflect the 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 blame away. Um, you know, we'll try to deflect it onto somebody else. So if we deny it or, or we'll try to defend it and say, well, you know, they were in there for three days, you know, and when we try to defend what we do. Now, listen, when you deny, when you deflect or when you defend, it, does, it doesn't matter. All of those are going to make it worse, not better. 
Here's what you need to do. I'm helping you. Please, trust me. I'm helping you. You need to look them in the eye, and you need to own it. Did you eat my leftovers? And you need to humbly and sorrowfully be able to say, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Can I say one more thing to you about that? Don't just own what's yours. Own what's yours by association. What I mean by that is, have you ever um, gone to a company where you bought something that didn't work or didn't work the way it was supposed to or uh, whatever and you, you needed to return it? And you get to a clerk and you try to return it and they go, I'm sorry, I can't help you with that. And, and you go, well, why can't, well, I didn't write the policy. You know, that, that's, that's not my job. And the moment they begin to deflect that away, even though they are a part of the company, your anger level is going up. Your anger level is going up. And the fact of the matter here, here's what you need. <coughs> if they are a part of the company... One of the best things they can do is go, oh, I am so sorry. Because whoever it is you're, you're talking to for that moment, they are the company. You know, if you've got an issue with Walmart, you know, you're not going to talk, talk to one of the Walton families, you know. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna go in there, you're going to go to a customer service agent, and in that moment in time, that customer service agent is Walmart. And so if you are associated, you need to own it. And, I, and I'm going to help you. This, if, I don't care if whatever company you work for. If you're representing them, you need to own it right then and there because it's yours by association. Now look at me. I want to take this one step further. If you're married, own it. Even if it was your spouse's decision, own it. One of the worst things we can do in our marriages, in our homes, is to throw our spouse under the bus by saying to our child, well, that was your mom's decision. Well, that, was our, that, was, that was your dad's decision. If we are parenting this together, we need to own the decisions that we make. Even, even if I don't fully agree with it, you know what? I'm part of the team, and I need to own that. Because the moment I throw my wife under the bus, and I'm going to be honest enough to admit, I did that a few times. The moment we throw our spouse under the bus, we're creating division in our home, and we're taking the anger of that person, and we're targeting it towards someone that we love. Does this make sense to you? You know, one of the best things you can do is, is to own your wrongs. You know, in fact, can I, can I say something to you? If, you? if you know you've done something that's causing someone anger, if you know you ate their leftovers and you, you, and you realize it was theirs and, and, and your wife tells you, you know, you ate Jim, you know, Jimmy's leftovers and he's going to be really upset, you know what the, the best thing you can do? You don't wait for Jimmy to come to you. You go to Jimmy and go, Jimmy... I ate your leftovers, and I am so sorry. If you can deal with them before their anger even gets ramped up, that's even better. Does this make sense to you? I've had a, a, a couple of different situations, oh, several situations through the years uh, as, as a pastor where decisions um, we've made as a staff or as a board, people have gotten upset about, 
And, um, and I've had, uh, back in the day when I was really struggling with my codependency, quite frankly, I would, I would hide from those things. I would, I would wait till they came to me or try to, you know, kind of duck it and weave or all that kind of stuff. But as God dealt with me, one of the things I realized is that when I can go to people directly before they come to me, it helps. When I can find out that somebody's upset about something and I can pick up the phone and I can just simply make a phone call. And I can say, hey, this is Pastor Steve. Um, you know, I, I know you're upset about this decision that we made, and I just want to talk to you about it. If I can do that before they come to me, you know what? I've taken the anger level, and I've poured some love on it by owning it. And it's just brought the anger level down. Look at me. Just want you to hear my heart. We can't always give people what they want. And we can't always do what people want us to do. But we can handle them in a way that really does honor them and honoring them really uh, by owning our mistakes and owning our thing that really does honor them I love what Proverbs 28 13 says whoever conceals their sins does not prosper but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy the V in the word love stands for validate them for validate them um and this is where I, I, I'm challenging you to step back just a second and realize that when angry people bring something to you, they really are often helping you. And, and you need to validate that. It's not easy for people to do that. Um, when I talk about validating them, I, I, what I'm talking about is to validate their feelings. Validate your feelings. How many of you have ever been slighted? How many of you have ever been offended? How many of you have ever had someone treat you in an unjust way? How many of you have ever had someone in your company or in an organization that you're a part of make a decision that was really hurtful to you? If you've ever been down that road, then you understand what those feelings are like. And so when you're dealing with someone who's angry, you, you need to let yourself feel what they feel and to validate that. Uh, again, let's go back to our eating their leftovers. You know, if Somebody, if I had something I was really counting on, I know what that would feel like. And so I can say to them, you know, I, I just want to say, I don't blame you. I don't blame you for being angry. I don't blame you for being upset. You know what? I would be upset if it happened to me. That validates their feelings. Validate their courage. Validate their courage. Do you know how tough it is sometimes for people to be able to tell us what they're, real, what they're really upset about? You know, so many people take their anger and they go underground with it and they don't say anything to you. They just drift further and further away. It takes courage for someone to come and say, this is really upsetting to me. They either care about their relationship enough that they put that on the table. Um, validate their courage. I'll give you one more. Just validate them. Just validate them and let them know, you know what, you're important and what you have to say is important. And just validate them by letting them know, you know, you're my son, you're my spouse, um, you know, I really do care about you and, uh, and I want to tell you, I just really appreciate you bringing this to me so that we can deal with this. Validate them. Again, that's not easy, but it'll really help. Let me give you one last thing this morning. When you end... End with humility and grace. End with humility and grace. You know, sometimes we try to get out of uh, situations with someone who are angry 
by trying to um, make them feel bad or trying to let them know now how upset we are and now we're angry because they were angry with us. And look at me. That's neither helpful nor mature. And it's not the way God wants us to deal with this. End it with humility and grace. You know, Peter wrote, he said, you know, humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Now, what am I talking about? When you're tying it up, when you've, when you've heard them, when you've owned it, when you've validated them and thanked them, when, you, when you've helped them realize this is what happened, and yes, this is the part you played in it, then, then three things again. One, make a sincere apology. Look them in the eye and let it come from the heart and say, I am so sorry. I wronged you. I should have never done that. I should have never said that. If you don't know how uh, to make uh, a really good apology, go back to last week's message and either watch it again or watch it for the first time because I talked about apologies that stink and apologies that stick. And that's your opportunity to make an apology that stick. Not just, don't just make an apology, though. Make amends. Amends is answering the question, how do I make this right? Look them in the eye and go, what can I do to make this right with you? I'm so sorry. I obviously did this. or I, I can tell this was really hurtful for you. What can I do to, to, to make amends for this? What can I do to make this right? How can I help this? And then lastly, kind of goes back to what I just said a moment ago, and that is give them affirmation and affirm them. If this is a family member or a friend, look them in the eye and say, you know what? Thank you again for bringing this to me. I need you to know this. I love you so much. And I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to upset you. And I don't want to offend you. You are really important to me. Will you forgive me? A few months ago, Wanda and I were in Phoenix and... um, we flew in, and I went to the rental car place to, to pick up a car that we were going to use for the weekend. And uh, we had dinner plans that night with some really good friends, and they were taking us to a, meeting us at a really nice restaurant. And, and uh, when I got there, it, was, it wasn't that crowded, but the, the enterprise people that were there, they were just really slow. And uh, I don't know what was going on, but it took, um, it seemed like maybe an hour and a half before we were able to get our car and, and, and be able to get on our way. And, and they were somewhat apologetic when I got, got there. Well, what was interesting was at the, at the end of the weekend when I brought the car back, the, the branch manager um, took the key and he said, you know, how was your weekend? And I said, it was good. And he said, well, is there any reason you couldn't give us a 10 for excellent service this weekend? And I said, well, yes, there is. And I reminded him, he was actually one of the ones I dealt with when I came in that weekend. I said, you remember when I came, you know, we had such a long wait. And I said, it actually made us an hour late for our dinner engagement. I said, that was really upsetting to me. And I'll never forget, it was, it was so, I've never had any experience quite like this when he set his pen down and he said, so how can I make this right for you? What can I do to keep you as a customer? And what can I do that you will make this weekend say, you know what, this was 
a really good weekend. I can give you, you can give me a 10 for customer service. What can I do to make that happen? And I looked this guy in the eye and I said, give me a free car. And he laughed because everything had already been run on mine. And he goes, points his finger up. And then he reaches in, on his, in his pocket and he pulls out his business card. And on his business card, he wrote free weekend with upsize to full size. And he wrote his employee number on there. And he said, when you come back again, he said, you give this car and the weekend is on us. And can I tell you something? It was such a simple thing, but that helped heal in my heart the disappointment I had with their company coming in. And here's what I thought about. I thought about this this week when I was working on the message. And here's what I thought. You know, he was working really hard to retain me as a customer. I may never see him again. I may never meet him again. For a personal relationship, he isn't that important. So this is what I want you to get. If he's willing to do that for money, if he's willing to do that to keep me as a customer, what are we willing to do to heal the wounds that are between us and these people that we say we love more than anyone else in the world? And I'll be honest, it's not easy dealing with the bumps and bruises of everyday life. It's not easy to handle someone who's angry. And, I'll, and I'm going to be honest with you. I came into my life and marriage with so much baggage. It's, it's not easy at all. And I, I can't do it out of my human strength. But here's the deal. I really believe with all my heart that God in his Holy Spirit can work in me and through me in ways that I simply can't do all by myself. So here's what I want to do this morning. Um, as we close this message out, I, we're going to sing this old chorus that is just such a beautiful chorus and it's such a beautiful prayer that says, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. This morning, if, if, if you've never invited Jesus Christ into your heart to, to be your personal Lord and Savior, maybe, maybe you're stumbling through life and your, your home is a mess and your relationships are a mess and you just find yourself running hard and going nowhere and, and you know your life is on a dead end. Maybe today, today can be the first day of a brand new way and a brand new road. And for this morning, just, just open your heart and life and say, Lord Jesus, I want to surrender my life to you. I can't do life by myself. I need you working in me. The Bible says if we confess our need for him, he's willing to forgive us of all of our past. And today can be a brand new day. You can be a brand new creation. But even for some of us who have prayed that prayer and Jesus Christ is our Savior, I'm going to guess there are some of us at least that have a little room for a little more of the Holy Spirit to work in our life. And maybe you can look back over the last weeks and realize that maybe you haven't handled the situations the way you should have. And maybe today there's a quiet prayer of repentance, but also a prayer that says, Lord Jesus, I want you to love these people who are dear to me. I want you to love them through me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Father God, as we lean into you today, that's the prayer of our heart, that your Holy Spirit would fall fresh upon us. 
Uh, Lord, we love these people that we are in relationships with, but, but we confess to you today that sometimes it's just not easy to, to love them the way that we really want to love them or to love them the way that we know you want us to love them. As we get in each other's way. We bump into each other. We say things and do things that hurt each other. And God, we, we need your help learning how to manage those things. And so, Father, today, I I pray. I pray that you would help us to retain and remember those things we talked about this morning. That when someone's angry, instead of reaching into our bucket of lose and fueling that fire, that we would reach into the bucket of love. That we would listen caringly. That we would own our part. That that we would validate them for what they're doing. and, And that we would end that time with grace and honor and humility. Lord, I pray for your hand right now. I I know that there are some marriages that are struggling. I know that there are some families that are struggling. I know there are some people, God, who have some rough relationships going on in their life. And I pray right now that you would just stretch out your hand, that you would bring healing and wholeness, that you would take all of these things that the enemy means for evil, that you would redeem them for good. Father, I pray too for those individuals that maybe for the first time in their life, they've opened their life up to you. I thank you for your grace that is so much greater than all of our sin. I I thank you, Lord, that you can take our lives no matter what path that we've been on and and you can give us new purpose, new meaning. Your word says that if any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creation. And so, Father, I pray a special prayer for any person who's reaching out to you today, that today is the first step of their new journey with you, that you would lead them and guide them, and that you would bless them. Father, I I thank you today for how tender, loving, and patient you are with us. May that same spirit be upon us as we deal with others. In your precious name, we pray. And everyone everywhere said, amen. Amen.